Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut, and I went keto in 2016 to reverse diabetes and lose weight. It's my mission to spread the science of keto and to show the world how cooking is necessary for keto success. Oh, yeah. And ice cream. Keto ice cream. Oh, yeah. And I'm Carrie Brown, and I also live in Connecticut, just a different part to Carl. I'm a trained pastry chef who went keto to control and eventually eliminate symptoms from bipolar 2 disorder and depression. I take no medications, I have no symptoms, and it's my mission to show the world that keto food is not only delicious, but it can be better than any other kind of food. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in nutritional ketosis. And also our experiences reversing diabetes and depression, and feeling better than we ever have before. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. We don't give medical advice because we're not doctors. Right. We just want to share our experiences and review the research that supports it. Oh, and schmaltz. Schmaltz. Mmm. We share our recipes and any science we find in the show notes. Yay for keto recipes. So let's start podcast number 167. Dave Feldman on kicking the soda addiction. Oh, how we love Dave Feldman. Yep. But before we get started, let's explain in plain English what a ketogenic diet is. That's any diet that puts you into a state of ketosis where you're burning fat for energy rather than glucose. And the way we did it was to limit our carbs to 20 grams or less every day, have a moderate amount of protein, one to one and a half grams per kilogram of lean body mass, and all our energy comes from fat. Fat? A for fat. Yes. And if you're just starting, listen to our starting keto show at start.2keto.com or just start listening from episode one. So, Carrie, what's new with you? I know you drove back from Salt Lake this week. How was that? I did. The uh, The drive was long. It was two and a half thousand miles Jeez. long and it took me three days. Um, but at the start of the week was very exciting. I was still in Salt Lake. We were coming off the high of, of being at the conference, which was fantastic. Mm. And we had a very, very warm reception for our podcast recording that we did on stage. Mm-hmm. There was lots of whooping and clapping, so that was nice. Um, but on Monday, I went to the home of the lady I have now dubbed Popsicle Girl. Okay. Who has a company called Little Fat Stick. Oh, yeah. And she is in Salt Lake and she is making keto popsicles, fabulous keto popsicles for the people who live in Salt Lake. Yep. And I went to her home and I did a professional shoot with all her popsicles. I staged them (laughs) all and just made a set of really beautiful photographs for them for use for their marketing stuff. So that was really, really fun because shooting food is one of my favorite things to do. And I tried those at the conference. They were pretty good. They were good. And um, I also recorded a bunch of videos with the lovely Kim Howerton for our Happy Healthy Keto program. Yeah. So that was fun too. Kim's very fun to shoot with. Sure. And then on Tuesday – I I was able to spend a couple of hours with my godchildren who also happen to live in Salt Lake. So wow. there's there's Jack and he is just four. And then there's Seattle and Ellie Ray who are just two. Actually, their second birthday was last weekend. So I got to go hang out with them and there was lots of cuddles and lots of fun and that was wonderful. So that kind of wrapped up my, my week in Salt Lake very well. And then I got in the car and drove for three days straight. You didn't drive straight for three days. You must have stopped a few times. I I stopped to sleep two nights. Really? You didn't see anybody on the way back? Actually, I stopped. Where did I stop? I stopped in Rock Springs, Wyoming and had coffee at a fabulous uh, train station cafe with a lady called Amanda Shaw. Hmm. She is relatively new to keto, so that was fun for her and I to meet. And then I stopped in Urbandale, Iowa, hmm. for a cup of coffee and a glorious chicken salad with a lady called Heather Gift. That's so cool. Then I spent the night... One of the nights I spent in Edwardsburg, Michigan, with another lovely lady called Lisa Jensen, who kindly put me up for the night in her farmhouse. So cool. With the best pillows ever. Uh Uh-oh. 
and um, <laughs> and then I went got then I drove straight home the the other day and I didn't stop and um, then I got home and slept a lot. I wish I had that kind of time that I could take to just drive across the country and stop and you know see people and listeners and and have coffee with people, but I just don't. I I love to do that. I didn't meet as many people as I'd planned because. Um, the conference was exhausting mm. and I was kind of peopled out, but I did make a few stops and that was super fun. Right. What about you? What have you been up to since we got home? Oh, well, I had my girls over for dinner tonight, which was really cool. We did the uh, chorizo queso and pork rinds. Basically, the cheese sauce that I've been making with uh, sodium tricitrate and uh, Monterey Jack cheese. And then I uh, take some crumbled chorizo and mix it in there and some salsa. And then just, I, I got, a, I went to Target and I got a $20 hot plate and put that right on the table with the pan on the table. Because if you don't keep this stuff warm, it just sort of turns solid, you know, quickly. So that was fun. And we all sat around and it's kind of like a little fondue party. And yes, I'm eating cheese again for some reason. Uh, it's it's not bothering me like it was. My my blood sugar after dinner was like seventy six. So then, wow, yeah. you're um you're such a fun dad. I love how much you love your girls, and I love how much you love spending time with them. But that's good news on the cheese. So maybe you just needed a little break. Maybe that's it, right? So we'll see. We'll see. And uh, the other thing that I did was I made a blackberry ice cream pie. Uh oh. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, I made an ice cream, and I usually make ice cream with an anglaise base with egg yolks and cream. Mm -hmm. But I just used cream instead this time. Cream and blackberries and uh, some flavorings and uh, some allulose and just put that in the freezer. And I noticed that if I'm just using cream, it freezes much faster than if I'm using an anglaise. And I don't know why that is, but it really only took like 15, 20 minutes and it was done. And then I made an almond flour crust and I used butter, of course. And I also add some butter flavoring because I, I just wanted that sort of rich flavor to come out. And I let that cool and then I just put the ice cream in there. And then when it came time to serve it, uh, which was really cool because you know how when ice cream freezes, especially... It's a lot of sugar-free ice creams. It gets really hard. Mm -hmm. But allulose has a lower freezing point, so it stays softer. So it was cuttable, even though it came right out of the freezer. It was very cool. Perfect. And then I made some chocolate sauce and some whipped cream, and it was decadent and so rich that we could really only eat a little sliver. And that's it, which is good because, you know, there's blackberries in there, and blackberries are among the lower-carb fruits. But you don't want to eat too many at one sitting. And this was good because it was just a little bit of flavor. And you know, your tastes change the longer you're on keto. Yeah. A little bit is often all you need. Oh, also some good news. We had a major donation to the GoFundMe campaign for the Bazoodle manufacturing machine. Yay, Bazoodles! Yeah, so if you don't know about this, first of all, I'll back up. This is a low-carb, keto, gluten-free noodle that I sort of discovered by accident. But I had an idea within a particular set of ingredients, and it totally worked out. And the best kind of stretchy and elastic noodles I've ever tasted. So I force-fed my friends, and everybody was like, oh my God, this is great. Um, then I started selling a cookbook, uh, advanced orders, and all that is up at bazoodles.com. Well, now we want to sort of do a proof of concept manufacturing-wise in New London, and particularly for Keto Fest in the local restaurants around here. So I found a square crepe-making machine that uh, you can buy, and it's a, a manufacturing machine, really. And it makes these square pancakes or crepes out of whatever batter you want, and you can adjust the time and the temperature. So uh, this seems to be the next logical step to doing bazoodles in a, you know, in a scaled-up fashion. So what I did is I started to go fund me to just, you know, hey, anybody who maybe you're coming to Keto Fest, maybe you just want to be able to go to your grocery store and order bazoodles someday, you know, and just put them in a pan and eat them. That's the whole end goal of this whole thing. But we have to start with a proof of concept. If that goes well, then we'll start a company and, you know, take on investors and we'll get it in the stores and all that good stuff. Fun. 
So, yeah, they, we had a major donation to that GoFundMe, but uh, we still are about halfway there. So if you want to help out and make these things a reality for you and your family, and if, especially if you're coming to Keto Fest, go to gofundme.bazoodles.com and whatever you can throw in, five bucks, 10 bucks, 20, 50, 100, I don't care, dollar, I don't care. Just uh, help us out. Help us reach that goal. All right. All right. Well, let's give away a Two Keto Dudes coffee mug now to a lucky member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. And who is this week's winner, Carl? This week's winner is Donald R. Guthrie. Yay, Donald! Yay! And Donald wins a coffee mug with our mugs on it just for being a member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club, which you can join yourself at fanclub.twoketo.com. And if you don't want to wait to win a coffee mug, you can get one online for yourself at gear.twoketo.com. Exactly. And now this is the time where I'm going to read a um, Well, weren't you proud of me when we recorded on stage? Because we had hecklers that were trying to get me to do the male thing and I I still stood firm. Yes, I am very, I'm very proud. You do you. That's all good. (laughs) (laughs) So who wrote to us? this week that you're going to tell us about. Well, this is actually from a guy that uh, introduced himself to us at uh, Low Carb Salt Lake. And he introduced himself to me and told a story. And I said, well, why don't you, you know, send up your story to the forum and in uh, your picture and we'll read it on the, on the show. And he thought that was a great idea. So here it is. This is Jason Hooker. He says, after undergoing non-traditional medical treatments for heel spurs and Achilles tendonitis, I was told I was not a good candidate for surgery. I simply weighed too much to make a proper recovery. I knew I had to make a major life change. I adopted a ketogenic diet in January 2018 with the intention of following the diet for six months. I searched for as many sources of info as possible, which included the Two Keto Dudes podcast. I appreciated everything Carl and Richard were teaching me, but I knew better than to eat until I was full. I invited hunger to live with me as a full-time roommate, restricting calories down to 800 a day at my strictest. After three months of eating keto, I stalled hard. I was always hungry. I barely ate, and the scale wasn't budging. Frustrated and confused, I was listening to an episode of Two Keto Dudes while sitting at work. Once again, Carl and Richard were spouting crazy talk, encouraging us to eat to satiety. This time was different. This time, I was desperate. I immediately began eating to satiety, eagerly anticipating proving the dudes wrong. However, something strange happened. The pounds started falling off, and I had a newfound level of energy. I now find myself weighing in at the lightest of my adult life, having lost 115 pounds over the last 16 months of keto and carnivore. I have ups and downs, but I keep moving forward and learning every day. Thank you, Carl, Richard, and now Carrie, for helping me change my life for the better. Jason. That's a cool story. Oh, it's a great story. And he was a great guy. I saw a tweet that he had put out. And so then I, then he, I noticed him uh, and I said, you know, hey, I saw your tweet. That was very cool. And then he told me his story. So Very cool. Thank you for writing in, Jason. We love to read stuff like this. Absolutely. Okay, so while we were at Low Carb Salt Lake, we got together with none other than Dave Feldman. And we've got this great picture of him sitting like in the lotus position on my bed in, in the hotel room, uh, looking like a bodhisattva, you know, looking. <laughs> it just struck me that he is the, the guru. He really is. And that was, um, if, if I'm sounding a little tired during this this interview, I'll have you know, we met to record at 11 o'clock at night yep. and we'd all been up since like 6 a.m. at the conference and meeting people and, and I mean, it had been on the go all day long and so the only time we could record was 11 o'clock at night. So if we're sounding a bit slow, <laughs> that's why. And, you know, if anyone who's ever met Dave knows that he just loves to talk and he loves to tell you the things that he's discovered recently, he's just full of insights and, and he wants to share it. And so after we recorded and shut the recording off, we were there for another hour talking with <laughs> Dave and Carrie. <laughs> was like, oh my God, I got to go to sleep now. 
<laughs> All true, but yeah. we love Dave, and he's so so humble. Yep. He's just I. He's just such a such a great guy. Well, here we go. Let's play that interview we did with Dave about kicking the soda addiction. Dave Feldman, hello. Dave Feldman is in my house or in my hotel room anyway. <laughs> I was going to say this is a cold house and uh, you should probably consider upgrading. <laughs> We're in Salt Lake City, of course, at uh, Low Carb Salt Lake. And uh, Dave kicked off the day today with a great presentation about cholesterol and risk. Yes. Is that what you want to talk about with us? today or do you have something else in mind actually carrie and i were talking about this we were in low carb denver and we got into a subject that's actually kind of near and dear to my heart that's not related to lipids oh but it's a subject that i've kind of had a secret obsession about and i'm not sure carl if we certainly we've talked about it in private i'm not sure if we've ever talked about it in uh, a podcast before but i've had my whole life I've been addicted to sweetened drinks. Yes. And that's always been a big obsession with my with me as to why that is. Uh, it's from as right. early is from as early as I can remember. I I mean the moment I could have a sip of one, a Coca-Cola uh, or Pepsi, whatever, I just I just fell in love with them. I thought they were fantastic. Euphoria ensued. Yes. Yeah. And I used to lament that when I was living with my dad, he wouldn't have any sodas in the house. Uh-huh. So I love to visit friends who their dad or their mom would, you know, keep the fridge stocked with soda. And yeah. If I could partake in it, it'd just be great. Right. Now, how old were you when this obsession was in full swing? About as early as I can remember. And going to when? I mean, how old were you when you stopped it? Well. Right before you stopped it. Oh, that's the thing. I never stopped it. You still have a childhood obsession with sweet drinks. Right up until about one year ago. Wow. So here's what happened. I go keto about four years ago. Yeah. And bear in mind, before going keto, there were several times in which I tried to taper down sweetened drinks, especially colas. I would do substitutions. I would try to, you know... Uh, I try to go with like club soda sometimes. I try to just go with sweetened tea sometimes. But I found that I always wanted, if I couldn't have like sweetened solids in my life, I usually wanted to have like a soda with my meal or something along those lines. The one thing that I could kind of do is I would alternate. So I'd go, okay, you know what? I'm going to have more water in my life at a minimum. Before I can have another soda, I'm going to have a water in between. So it'd be like the cost of getting to the next Sweetened drink. So now you're keto, and you're obviously talking about diet sodas. Right. Yeah. So this was interesting because uh, before going keto, I did enjoy things like chocolate chip cookies mm. and cake and so forth. I didn't eat them all the time. Yeah. But all of those sweetened solids, my appetite for them really did drop yeah. after going keto, but not really the sweetened drinks. The hmm. sweetened drinks just continued. And Coke Zero was fine to me. Like, it was a perfect substitute. Right. But there, there's something that's always nagged at me this whole time, which is even after doing diet sodas, which I know there's already a lot of debate within the keto community as to whether they're really healthy or not. Mm. I always knew or this. Or benign is probably yeah, a better benign, word. Benign, right, is a better word. Yeah. Right. But I always had this in the back of my mind. I always said, you know, given all the different health advice we had, no matter what age I was at, Mm. If I could pick one thing I could feel very confident would be a healthy change, that if I could like reprogram my brain and feel confident that this one tweak I made was absolutely a healthier choice, it would be to have only water as a beverage. Yeah. Like basically if I could, anything you think might be healthy that you've heard good things about, you know, coffee with antioxidants or green tea or any of those things. I feel pretty confident that probably you're better off getting it from food. Right. Right, I agree. And so if I had that ability, if I could just like magically make myself drink only water. That would be a superpower. It would be a superpower. Absolutely. And something miraculous happened. May 1st of last year, I started an experiment and the, you already know, your listeners know, I do intensive experiments where 
I try to control for every variable. And in this particular experiment, it was very important that I have as few confounders as possible because it was uh, the end of my standard American diet experiment. I wanted to go keto and I wanted to not only have a controlled diet where I was going to actually have a few key items, mm -hmm. but I wanted to take away the possible confounder of having a sweetened drink as well. So I knew I would be at least three weeks of drinking only water. And technically, I want to say this was maybe the third experiment, um, maybe in a row, I can't remember for sure, where I decided I was going to only, only have water during the experiment. I'm curious, do you think that by doing these experiments, that gives you more motivation to follow through? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like it seems to me like what would Dave's keto life be without the experiments? It, it, would, it would be vastly different. And, yeah. and I'm almost certain I wouldn't have been able to figure out the things I did. Yeah to arrange this situation and understand how it was that I could overcome this. Right. Cause you know, otherwise you're just eating food, but if you're doing an experiment, yeah, like now that you have something that you can commit to that you have to follow through with, well, it's a nice commitment device for you. It is. And, I, and I'm going to, I'm going to state one other thing that I think you guys could probably sympathize with to some degree Yeah, is you kind of become a little more of a public figure, right? you sort of get a little extra motivation mm. from sharing what you're doing with a stadium full of people. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> so if I say something like, look, I'm about to do this experiment. Here's the design of the experiment. Right. If I were just telling you know, my, my buddy Andrew, yeah. uh, hey, I'm going to do this experiment. Right. I could like call him in three days and be like, eh, experiment's off. It's kind of hard, right? Yeah. But- there really is a nice social motivation that you can get from not only making clear what the design of the experiment is and so forth, but mm. then saying, okay, I'm going to do this execution. I know a lot of people are watching this. Right. And that's, that's helpful. So yeah. accountability is key? It's Well, it is, but that really wasn't what crossed the threshold for me. Because I've done experiments before. What was different this time around was while I knew I'd be doing this for at least three weeks, I said, you know what? I think I figured out what it was I needed to do in order to truly change the dynamic of how it is that I pursue getting sweetened drinks. Yeah. So the, the reason we're talking about this is because when you and I talked in Denver, I was not only fascinated that what you'd done and how you'd done it, but also the mechanics of how you'd managed to do that. Because this is something that I have at various times struggled with. I like, if I have an Achilles heel anymore, it would be my Cherry Coke Zero. <laughs> yeah. And so that what you were doing fascinated me, but also I am absolutely convinced that there's a lot of people who are doing keto for whom that is also their Achilles heel. Right. So I just thought it would be super, super interesting and helpful for people who are in the Diet Cherry Coke boat. <laughs> How did you do it? And and what did you discover? And like, what was that magic thing that made, made you able to just drink water? Well, to start it off, I've got to tell you how to fail. Because okay. if I tell you how to fail, it'll make sense how you succeed. So when I was doing those substitutions before, right, I would then become aware of where I could get the substitution. Hmm. So for example, if I'm not going to have Coke Zero, then what am I going to have? What, what can I have that's, that's going to just at least cover me? Right. Well, I would have sparkling ice. I don't know if you've heard of that. That's one thing that I would have. There is a- What is that? Sparkling ice is a- um, it's a kind of, uh, there's some different fruity versions of the drink. And I don't remember exactly what the sweetener is, but it has an artificial sweetener oh, to okay. it. So, uh, and I already knew from my own glucose testing, it didn't hit me that much. Oh yeah, so I'm, you have a Cresta? I'm drinking a LaCroix. Or a LaCroix. Just flavored sparkling water with no no sweetener in it. Yeah, and there's a lot of things just like that. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a soda substitute. Yeah. And I would become aware of them. And I'd go, you know what? I'm going to do this for a while. There's Zevia, by yeah, the way, which, right. of course, is Stevia sweetened sodas. Didn't quite catch on to me, but by golly, I gave it a shot. 
right? An official sponsor of Keto Fest, I might add. Oh, I didn't know that. They're sending us a bunch of cases. Oh, that's great. That's As great. they Yay, did last Zibia. year. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I wonder if they'd be appreciating hearing their name in this particular conversation. Oh, well, look. I mean. How to uh, kick diet soda. Yeah. Let's talk about Zevia. No, I think I think a lot of I honestly do think a lot of diet soda manufacturers, if you were to go to them and say, Hey, if I can pull off drinking only water and not have diet soda, should mm. I do that? I'll, I'll bet a lot of them would say, Yeah, yeah. I right. think most I think most people would say, if you can, sure, just drink only water. It sounds mm. like it's the best thing to do. But if you're not gonna do that, don't go to a real Coca-Cola, go to a Coke Zero or go to a cherry Coke Zero, right? So I'm doing all these different substitutions. Okay. But what's going wrong here? Well, what's going wrong is I'm not getting what I want for my real fix. And I'm aware of it every time, right? Every single time I'm like, well, you know, I'm doing this instead of Coke Zero. So you're disappointed. I am disappointed. That's a key word in this conversation. I'm disappointed even though I'm a little less disappointed than if I had water, right? Hmm. So- I've moved my way down closer to water, which would be super disappointing. So I'm just less disappointed <laughs> than if I had water, right? I'm following you. Okay. Yeah. It makes me so happy to hear someone else say water is super disappointing. <laughs> right. Right. Because <laughs> I can't, I just, I really get less than zero pleasure out of drinking plain right. water. I, I mean, I do. Same. I'm going to say it out loud. I just don't like drinking water. No, and I haven't my whole life. Four decades, right? Again, chronic soda drinker. For me, it seemed insurmountable. But there was another component, another component that I kept being aware of. It's not just that I'm aware that I'm being disappointed by the substitute. It's that I'm aware at all. I'm pursuing something. So I haven't actually changed my behavior of what I had before. Before, if I was walking past a convenience store and I haven't had my Coke Zero fix, there was a kind of joy in both deciding that I was going to get it Hmm. and the aftermath of having it, never mind the act of doing it itself. Hmm. So at the point that I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a Coke Zero. It's going to be so good. There's already like a joy filling me. That's joy point number one. joy point number one. Joy point number two is when you pay for it, right? Yeah. Joy point number three is when you drink it. And four is the after satisfaction. And the geek that I am, I started to actually keep track of the euphoria during that period of time (laughs) where it's really – and it's it's about two hours, very consistently about two hours. Wow. So – Sure, there's some periods of time where if I could have an excuse, I would drink them more rapidly. Like, let's say you've got free refills, right? And <laughs> I'm in some, you know, fast food place and I'm just downing them and it's kind of like just added joy on top of added joy. <laughs> so but, waves of euphoria. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. That's great. But it's But truly, I mean, what are drugs but a way to induce a chemical response of happiness right Right. like don't even get into dopamine and receptors and all that just truly what is it it's a way to say i'm going to make myself happy right beyond what i can do mentally Mm. okay so what is it is it the sweet is it the is aspartame is it i mean like what is it that does that is it the flavor the sweetness the bubbles the what was do you know I, I, to be honest, I genuinely don't know beyond what it is that I think is just wired inside of us. Good marketing. But I Could honestly, be. I no, I think honestly, ancestrally, mm. we got attracted to sweet because by golly, that's how we could fatten up for the winter, mm. right? So if we could come across, you know, an apple tree or some forms of fructose, that was great. That mm. was a great opportunity to store energy, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But eating an apple didn't give you those four joy points. No, no, no. It, well, so what? What's difference between you know an apple and and your well, take, Coke Zero? Like, what was the thing take, that take made the it? apple before agriculture? Right, mm. just like the pear and the uh, banana. All of these were mega fibrous and not very and they sweet. sweet and yeah. not very sweet, but. To those guys back then, right, to much more primitive humans, 
oh, it was probably really sweet. Right. Their palate was much more sensitive, mm. right? So their buzz was probably similar, but probably not similar to the degree that it is for us today. But right? then there's also just the fact that your brain lights up when anything tastes sweet. Exactly. Whether your glucose spikes or not. Exactly. And that's where I'm coming back to it. Yeah. The threshold, the threshold of the degree of sweet mm. is not quite as, as important as its availability. Mm. I can right now walk across the street and go get a can of Coke. Right. My ancestors couldn't have done that. They could have been like wandering around for a while to try to find a berry, right? Mm. Oh, they found one. They found a berry. That's great. Okay. Whoa. We got a lot of berries here. Let's mm. go to town, mm. right? Okay. There's a seeking behavior and there's a joy to the the hunt of the thing that you know is going to give you such a strong reward, mm. right? And so without question, there wasn't a strict joy in the act of actually having it. That's why at the point where you decide that you're going to cheat on whatever diet you're on, mm. you're like, all right, all right, I'm going to cheat. Yeah. There's something I started to realize when I did that, when I decided, like my version of a cheat wasn't really leaving keto, but it was, for example, like having a quest bar. Yeah. I try not to have quest bars because they're a bit processed. Like I'm not trying to disc quest bars a lot, but right. if I could, I would try to eat more real food. So when I did have a quest bar, it was sort of me breaking kind of a soft commitment of sorts. Right. But I realized something, and you and I, Carrie, we were kind of talking about this before. It's not that I would feel such a burst of joy from deciding I was going to have it, deciding I was going to cheat. It's actually that I felt a sense of relief from the indecision as to whether I was going to cheat or hmm. not. And that's very relevant. So Interesting. here I am, I'm all of a sudden confronted. I'm like walking through a convenience store and I see a Quest bar, you know, chocolate chip cookie dough. It's my favorite one. I'm like, ooh, that looks pretty good. But you know what? I said I wasn't going to do this, but... It right. is there. So it's the it's, state of of will I won't I will I won't I versus yes. done. Now there's now I can stop thinking about this. Yes. And so what happens at the point huh. where I decide I'm going to do it? <laughs> oh, this is right. fascinating. Yeah, but that's exactly what the scenario was, and I started to get to where I could recognize it. I was mm. like, oh, now I'm just doing this to relieve myself of decision fatigue. Yes, exactly. Wow. By the way, I now can recognize that when I'm doing it in the house. I, I recognize if I bought something that I will eat when I'm not hungry for it, which I try to just not have that item, whatever it is, right? right. If I will eat it when I'm not hungry for it, it's one of the first things that will creep into my brain if I'm stressed out and if I'm tired and mentally exhausted right? because my inhibitions are down. And now all of a sudden, I want to just eat, period. And it's very convenient that that thing that I know I can kind of self-soothe myself uh, with, I can go and acquire, hmm. right? So it's a piece of cake. Okay, so this brings us full circle. Wait a minute, not a literal piece of cake. <laughs> yes, <laughs> not a literal piece of cake. <laughs> okay. So this brings us full circle. What did I need to do to beverages, period? Hmm. I needed to keep from them being disappointing. How in the world do you do that? Well, you take away joy. <laughs> so Dave Feldman says, take away your joy. Take away joy. I know how morbid this sounds, right? This podcast is becoming quite disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, but, I'm, I'm with you, man. You keep going. Okay. So look at it this way. Whenever I'm getting that sparkling water, that sparkling ice, whenever I'm getting the club soda, whenever I'm getting the substitute, mm. I have two things going wrong, right? The first of those is that I am aware of it. So I'm seeking it out. Now, when I'm going even to a fast food place, I'm like, oh, do they at least have a club soda so I don't have to drink like just regular water? Right. I want to at least get the club soda. Right. Ah, they don't have a club soda. I've already been seeking it out. Right. I already have opportunities to be disappointed that I can't even get my club soda. Right. Which I'm trying to be good about and stick to, right? <sighs> okay. But then on top of that, I have the disappointment of the club soda itself. It's not really what I wanted. Right. I wanted a Coke Zero. Right. Right? Okay. So what then happens when I go on these experiments where I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter. 
I have so much money invested in the first blood test and I have so much money invested in the second and the third and the fourth blood test. Hmm. By golly, I'm not going to have any confounders. So I'm not going to have sparkling ice or even a club soda. I don't care. I'm going to be consistent about it being water. That's where I started saying, you know, I can at least do trial periods. Right. And when I'm doing these trial periods, it's as though the disappointment doesn't exist. Because you're not in that should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I. Exactly. Yeah. You know it's going to be water. There's no There's no discussion. There's no decision. There's no discussion. It's just there. There's not even the weighing of the decision. Right. It doesn't even come into play. Right. Now, it sounds almost too convenient for me to be able to say, oh, well, then just have an experiment, you know that you won't do it, and then that'll be good enough for your commitment. <laughs> yeah. No. That experiment is what taught me that even this thing that's been a, you know, a bear on my back this whole time mm. really isn't truly physiological like I thought it was. I thought this being wired for sweetened drinks mm. in the conversations we've had before, and certainly I've had with many other people, I thought maybe there was this deeper wiring that kind of, you know. It certainly feels like it. It does, Mm. doesn't it? It really does. Mm. And so I'm telling you, as somebody who's passionately tried, long before keto, long before anything, I've known that uh, soda is wrecking my teeth. It's wrecking my health. Mm. I've, I've known, I figured out that I had fructose malabsorption, Uh, I want to say maybe three years before I'd gone keto. Mm. And fructose malabsorption, of course, probably got brought about because my two other best friends and I would have big gulp after big gulp back in the day when we played video games all day Mm. and stayed up all night, right? Mm. We probably all developed it, just like you can just about any other serious allergy that's related to, you know, repetitive foods uh, to that degree. Anyway, no, what it would take is for me to think of this like breathing. So let me use the analogy of smoking. Right now, none of us are feeling like we need to go out and smoke. Right. But what if we did? What What if we felt like every time we inhale right now, it's just a waste? It'd be better <laughs> if we could inhale some nicotine, right? <laughs> it sounds crazy to us, but that's because inhaling is not a source of joy. Hmm. Right? Hmm. For a smoker, inhaling can be a source of joy. Nice breathing it in. I can really feel it. I don't know if, if you're your doing yoga, like, I mean, you're in the, the pose right now. You're in the lotus position. You look kind of with that light in the back. You kind of look like a bodhisattva. So I can imagine, like, you know, you, your breathing could be a form of joy or maybe at least peace. I don't know. Maybe. But maybe that was too far to go for a little joke. I don't know. I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> I can't see myself the way you see me right now, so I'll, I'll take your word for it. We took pictures. I it's took okay. a picture. Oh, good, yeah. good. So <laughs> that's what's going on. The, the listeners page. will have to catch the picture. <laughs> but, but yeah, quite simply put, I needed to make this. And I'm holding a water bottle. Mm. I need to make this like breathing. Like breathing. Correct. Because breathing is not a source of joy for me. I mean, certainly, I'd like to keep breathing. But I yeah. only notice there's a problem when I can't breathe. Right. Otherwise, it's not even on my radar. And it's not something I'm seeking. Right. Right? So, therefore, I can't be disappointed by breathing air. Right. And right now, I can't be disappointed by drinking water. Hmm. I've gotten so used to water, and it's gotten easier with each month that I've been doing this. Hmm. I started May 1st of last year. I did this experiment. After three weeks, I said, you know what? I'm going to make this a water-only challenge. And I used some social motivation. I put it out there on the internet. I, I On Twitter, I said, this is the water-only challenge. Anybody else wants to jump aboard, go right ahead. I'm going to see if I can make it to the end of the summer. Hmm. And as I was getting toward the end of the summer, I said, I'm going to see if I can stretch it to the end of the year. Hmm. And I predicted, given how well it was going, that I was probably going to make it to the end of the year. And as I was approaching the end of the year, I said, I'm going to do all of 2019. Wow. And now I'm about to hit one year Yeah, since last year. And it's honestly easier than it's ever been. And the only liquid you've had is water. The only liquid, the only beverage that I've drank this entire time. Not just water, still water. In fact, I've been offered club sodas, which I know that I, in my former life, I would have enjoyed a lot more. I don't want to have them because I don't want there to be a distinction. I want to continue thinking of this like breathing. 
So let's get back to joy. Are you happier? Yes. I'm definitely happier about this. I, I Honestly, I feel like this may be one of the biggest personal victories I've ever had. You have a superpower now. I, it's funny when you mentioned superpower. Yeah. If I was having that same conversation three years ago and you were telling me the same thing, I would have said the same thing. I'd be like, that's a superpower. One yeah. I wish I had. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I am right now. I don't know what you mean. Honestly, the thought of never drinking anything liquid other than water makes me want to slash my wrists. <laughs> <laughs> that's super funny coming from you. Right? <laughs> Seriously. But think so I'm about still it. looking at you. We're just like, you know, wow. But you, you, like, you never drank coffee, right? So I never drank coffee. You don't really drink alcohol. I don't really drink alcohol, but believe me, most of my life, I drank majority things that were not water. Yeah. So no. sweetened drinks for sure. I definitely had periods of time where I tried to have unsweetened tea to just try to get used to tea because my yeah. dad was into it. Mm. I've tried so many ways to do so many different things, but I it, I could express almost exactly what you did, Carrie. I could be like, I just can't, I can't think it's possible. I can't think that I would ever have that kind of willpower because it's just so ingrained in my life. It's very much um, reflective of my keto s story and probably all of ours too, where, you know, when you first learn about the ketogenic diet and you can't have bread and you can't have this and you think about all the things you can't have. And most people don't even try it because they can't imagine what life would be like if they couldn't eat bread because it tastes so good and they love it so much. And what they're projecting into the future, and I certainly did this, what you're projecting into the future is the suffering of wanting bread and not being able to have it. But that goes away. And you don't know that because you're not that person yet. You have to have a leap of faith, right? And that, that these cravings will go away. And whenever I tell people, you know, you're not even going to consider that food after a while. It's going to seem like paper towels. You know, you're not even going to want it. And they can't believe it. And so when you don't crave it and you don't even think about it as food, it is, uh, you, it is joyful because all of that constant thinking and craving and not satisfying yourself is really the torture that you're talking about you put yourself through with sodas. Yeah. I, I will make one distinction. The key distinction in this case is a, a beverage is not something you're normally needing to consume. Right. Whereas food is. So what happens is, is you can end up in a, in a tougher situation when trying to maintain a diet where you're brought to a place, for example, where you can't, yeah. you know, insert the keto diet and so forth. Whereas conversely, you're you're n pretty much never in a situation where you don't have access to water. Right. Right. You're right. So it'd be like if I if I could have keto at all times, if I could have like you know, uh, red meat yeah. on tap, right, <laughs> wherever <laughs> I went, right, and it was just ready to go. I'd be like, oh, okay, good, I'm covered. You guys have your thing. That's fine. Right. Yeah. That would be great, uh, but that's why this was special because it could be completely categorical. Right. But you know that there's like this whole new host of flavors that have come out that uh, Coke Zero is doing. Like there's right, this right. orange vanilla and a whole bunch of other things. And I first noticed this at Mohegan Sun Casino. They have these big soda machines, you know, like Bobby's Burger Palace, but they're all around and literally 30 different flavors of Coke Zero right. on one machine that you can just, yeah. And it's and I, it's like I'm in a different body now <laughs> that I could see this whole new advertising campaign, and the younger me, pretty much the me of the all the rest of my life, would have been like, I cannot wait to try that. <laughs> yeah, That's right. going to be so exciting. Every single one of them. Oh yeah, I'm going to try every one of them. And how great would it be if I had something beyond just Cherry Coke Zero and Coke Zero? Mm. Because that's what I loved about those machines when you can mix these other flavors of Coke Zero. Right. Uh, that's what I loved about going to the movie theater mm. is I would get like a cherry Coke, a vanilla cherry Coke Zero. Mm. There was a couple times where I'd get like a grape Coke Zero <laughs> and a, a grape <laughs> vanilla Coke Zero. And there was a, um, at one time my wife and I had gone to Australia and they had like some other flavors of, and they call it Zero 
zero sugar Coke or whatever it was there. And I was just excited to be able mm. to try these different flavors. It was a new experience and it was its own, again, source of joy. It was its own event, right? right? And yes, it sounds like this is a little less enjoyable because I've now subtracted that event. That was a thing, right? But you've also subtracted all that mental anguish. It's anguish. It's torture. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, look, what other things could I be doing that I could enjoy in life that I could feel confident were healthier? Yeah. Quite a lot. Yeah. So now this whole category of vice that I've always been aware was Mm. a vice. Mm. Again, you could say maybe it's benign-ish, right? Yeah, as vices go, it's as, it's kind of benign. Yeah, and, and to that degree, I mean, I don't begrudge anybody who's in that situation. They're like, you know what, at least I'm not having an actual Coke. Right. I completely concur, and I'm not that sure it matters that much. But I will say this, beyond just, you know, what it costs to get it, what it what it takes to seek it. Mm. It's nice to just have that side of my mental ledger back. It's hard to even describe how powerful that is. Mm. For me though, I still curious, like what is the magic about Cherry Coke Zero? Because I'll eat something else that's sweet. It doesn't do the same as cherry coke zero. I'll still want the cherry coke maybe, zero. Maybe there's heroin in it. Even even though the, I've had the sweet <laughs> fix, like I'll have you know a couple of squares of Lily's chocolate or whatever. So mm. I'll have the sweet fix. Still want the cherry coke zero. Mm. Well, there there's a reason Coke is one of the largest companies ever. <laughs> so what is it in that they, stuff? They they engineer the bliss point to a science, right? Yeah. So they're they're hitting. Right at the apex, there's a there's an entire like field of science around Bliss Point. But it's not just sweetness. It's, no, it's the combination of yeah, it's everything flavor and mouth sweet feel. and the and mouthfeel, right? With just the Bubbles. right amount of fizziness. Yeah, right. It's it's an experience. It's an experience in a drink. Yeah, and, and believe me, I'm well aware of it because every substitute for it was inadequate. Mm. And so I could never feel that level of comfort and joy that I get from it unless I had it. I'm kind of um, halfway stuck between this is an oh joy moment and a oh crap moment because <laughs> knowledge is power. Because you've done it and it's just like that means it's possible that I could do it, but I really don't want to do it because I don't like drinking water and I love the taste of cherry coke zero. And so this is yeah. kind of like a Damn you, Dave. Th- 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 thanks, but damn it. <laughs> <laughs> just just let me leave you with this one thought. Truly. My whole life, I just failed and failed and failed and failed and failed in making it. So a lot of people assume after they learn about my experiments that I must just be a naturally disciplined guy. Mm. And if you were to go to my house, everything's clean and organized and perfect. And I just execute everything as I intend to do. It's absolutely not true. Mm. And in this particular case, this was probably one of the, not only the toughest habits uh, that I could have imagined trying to break, but one that again, I did indeed try to break mm. over and over again. So honestly, if this is something I could do, I I truly believe other people, if it was something they really wanted to, they could do it as well. But the key was the public accountability and the fact that you made it an experiment, the fact that you took the decision away. I, I think the biggest key of all was to start treating it like breathing, was mm. to say, look, Beverages are no longer going to be a source of joy. And as horrible as that sounds, they're no longer now going to be a source of disappointment. Mm. But I have to get used to thinking of beverages that way. The first first two months were grueling. But then as each month passed, it got easier and easier and easier. Okay, that's it's really important that you said the first two months were grueling because there's a bunch of us sitting out here that are just going... Right, but if we already know that you found it grueling, yes, it, that makes it easier somehow. This is pure Buddhism, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, Nirvana is the state where you have neither desire nor fear, and you know, when you're when you have that kind of mental tax going on about, you know, anguish over what 
what to drink, when to drink, how to drink, you know, disappointment, desire. I mean, you just cut right through the middle and it's all gone. It's awesome. Yeah. It's been one of the most empowering things, honestly, that's happened in my life. Dave, that's an amazing story. And I'm sure you've inspired many people with it. So thanks for hanging out with us. Absolutely. Thanks for letting me share it. I think Dave Feldman is the Galileo Galilee of of this whole thing, especially where cholesterol is concerned. He didn't talk too much about that um, in today's interview, but he has discovered things that nobody else has thought about. And I think that uh, soon enough, everybody's going to know Dave Feldman's name. Yeah. And that this particular episode came about because when we were hanging out with Dave at Low Carb Denver right. in March, um, I asked him about his water experiment. And that's when we hatched the idea of him coming on and talking about how he kicked the soda habit. Yep. So super grateful for him doing that. Yep. Thanks, Dave. Okay. Uh, you feeling peckish? Always. Actually, that's <laughs> not true. I'm keto. I actually... It seems to me that my when I get up, I'm wanting to eat later and later in the day. Yeah. And I find I can just naturally, easily, without even thinking about it, go until one or two o'clock yeah, without feeling the need to eat. So Me too. But in case you are feeling peckish, Carrie's going to lay on one of her recipes. Could you say <laughs> you're due for a little... I am. And this is actually one of the things, apart from ice cream, that I am most famous for. Oh, and now my chocolate fudge mug cake has like, mm. become super, super popular. Nice. But this recipe, it's called Cheesy Biscuits, and it's it was the first um, almond flour biscuit bread-like thing that I ever made. And wow. it was fantastically successful and people are still raving about it to this day and a lot of people will tell you that this is their favorite bread replacement keto bread replacement so all right i'm going to give you cheesy biscuits however they are now known as sturdy self-limiting biscuits why is that <laughs> <laughs> because I reformulated them, I was the, the the flavor was fantastic, but they were just a little bit fragile. They okay. were, you know, they they didn't really Crumbled. stand up to using as a sandwich, you know, as a roll. Oh. Or they were kind of a bit fragile, and so although I first wrote these, these first came into existence in like twenty twelve. Mm. I spent some time reformulating them a few months ago and now they're sturdy and you can cut them and you can use them at, to make sandwiches and they're just the texture. Now, why really self-limiting? What does that mean? Well, self-limiting because it's interesting that, that when I after I tweak the recipe to make them sturdy, I mean, I could, if I wanted, I could eat like half a dozen of these at one oh. sitting now. I'm like one and I'm done. Ah, okay. So, so they're filling. The tweaks I made to the recipe actually made them a lot more satiating. Got it. And so one's enough now. Great. Lay it on me. So they're sturdy and self-limiting and they taste fantastic and they could very well become your bread replacement. So here we go. You're going to need nine ounces or 250 grams of almond flour, half a teaspoon of your Redmond Real Salt, yeah. uh, four teaspoons of baking powder, a tablespoon of konjac flour, also known as glucomannan powder. You're going to need two tablespoons of gelatin powder, two ounces or 55 grams of cold butter cut into small pieces, and cold is important. I'll okay. tell you why in a minute. You're going to need two and a half ounces or 70 grams of sharp or strong cheddar cheese, which you have grated finely. You you don't have to use sharp, but you get a much, much better flavor if you use the sharp cheddar. Mm. You're going to need one egg, two tablespoons of 
unsweetened thin coconut milk. So that's the stuff that comes in a carton, not the stuff that comes in a can. Or you can use unsweetened almond milk or any unsweetened nut milk you have on hand. And then a beaten egg to glaze it. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to heat the oven to 375 degrees. Then you're going to put the almond flour and the other dry ingredients in a food processor. And you're going to cut the cold butter into small pieces. And you're going to put that in the processor with the dry ingredients. And you're going to pulse that until it resembles fine breadcrumbs. And that doesn't take a lot, maybe 15 pulses so fine breadcrumbs, okay. you don't want to go any finer than that. Right. Um, you can also do this by hand with one of those those pastry things. I forget what they're called, but what one of those special pastry blenders, you can use one of those as well. Here's why the butter has to be cold. Butter, it, it, if it's too soft and you make a very kind of everything is coated with butter, if you if the butter is cold and you leave it in chunks, it allows there to be more pockets of air in the mm. dough, and mm-hmm. that will make your biscuits rise a lot better. Mm. So cold butter, cut into small pieces, and don't overpulse it. Right. Once you've got your fine breadcrumbs from your butter and dry ingredients, you're going to turn that into a bowl, and you're going to mix in the grated cheese until it's evenly distributed. Then in a small cup, you're going to whisk the egg and the nut milk together. Make a well in the center of the dry ingredients and pour the egg mixture in. Then quickly mix it by hand to form a dough and knead it lightly until it's smooth. Then you want to roll the dough out to about three quarters of an inch thick, thicker if you like. Mm -hmm. Um especially if you're going to use them as sandwich biscuits. If you're going to cut them in half and use them to sandwich, then you might want to leave them thicker than that. And then you want to cut the biscuits out using whatever favorite cutter shape, but you do want to use a metal cutter or a sharp knife. And the reason why is because you need to cut them out. If you use a glass or a plastic cutter, what happens is you you almost seal the sides. You don't cut through the dough. You seal it, and that will stop it rising okay. as well. So you'll end up with flat biscuits. So no good there. you've rolled it out. You've cut them all out. You're going to gather up the trimmings, re-roll them, cut the remaining dough into biscuits. Then you're going to place them on a baking sheet lined with parchment paper. So that helps you with cleanup. You're going to brush the tops with a beaten egg, and then you're going to bake for 15 to 17 minutes until they're golden brown. Yeah. And then you're going to be super happy. They are absolutely magical, hot out of the oven, slathered with butter. and uh, But they're pretty magical once they're cool too. So, And as I say, they're sturdy enough to slice and use as sandwiches. That sounds good. I'm going to try those. You will love them. Okay, well, I'm sure I will. Well, that's a show. So if you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something that you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute anything we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com. And you can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at twoketodudes. Make sure to use the hashtag 2KetoDudes. And, of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.2keto.com. And you can have a look around the ketogenic forum without needing to create an account by starting with success.2keto.com. Also, check out our Facebook group, The Keto Kitchen, if Facebook is your thing. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, please consider making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. If you pledge $20 or more per month, you will have access to an exclusive Facebook group, 2 Keto Dudes Gold. We also have a free Facebook fan page at fb.2keto.com, so go follow us there. And you can see all our podcasts and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. And if you haven't already, we'd love it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts because that's how new people get to know about what we do. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. Now listen up, kids. Keep calm and keto on. Always, Carl. Keep calm and keto on. Right. And we'll see you next time on Two Two Keto Keto Dudes. Dudes.